right, call the meeting to order. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland, to minimize the person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch our county commissioner's meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at www.qac.org live or on Queen Anne County's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7, or in high definition on Channel 507. Seating for tonight's meeting will be limited to accommodate social distancing protocols. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a healthcare provider. We acknowledge your participation and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the meeting, on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, you must sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. Citizens may also join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment, or they may submit comments to publiccomment.org. We will accept comments up until the end of the meeting. Comments received will be read aloud during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. During the meeting, we would ask that you turn off all electronic devices and hold personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We have a moment of silence for the victims and their family from the shooting in Colorado. Thank you. Commissioners, we just had a closed session under Section 3-305B1 of the General Provisions Article to discuss boards and commissions. And we had two boards and commissions we discussed, and I think we have consensus on some appointments. Uh, the first one would be the Broadband Advisory Council. I move to reappoint Andrew Costello and Ben Schaffel to the Broadband Advisory Council to begin immediately and end March 31st, 2024. And I move to appoint Dion Reed and Jason Harms to the remaining unexpired term on the board of, excuse me, on the Broadband Advisory Council to begin immediately and end March 31st, 2022. Second. Okay, we've got a motion second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0, motion passes. All right, next up we have the Bicycle and Pedestrian Committee. Okay, I move to appoint Nathan Hoxter to fill a remaining unexpired term in District 1 on the Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee to begin immediately and end February 28th of 2022. I also move to appoint, let me see which here is, uh, Ben, ben Hammock. Ben oh, excuse me, no, uh, Ben Hammock. Thank you. <laughs> I move to appoint Ben Hammock and reappoint Leslie Sandus and Bob Zillig to a three-year term on the Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee 
to begin immediately and end February 28th, 2024. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0 motion passes. All right, thank you, commissioners. That brings us to uh, the agenda for this evening uh, for March 23rd. So today's agenda and the regular and closed session minutes from your March 9th meeting were distributed electronically for review. Do we have any additions and or corrections? Yes. Uh, approve. Make a motion uh, to accept uh, desk action items 19 and 20 for the agenda. Second. Got a motion Second. To, motion to approve the agenda as amended. As amended. Motion to approve the agenda as amended. And a second. I did. All those in favor? Mm -hmm. Aye. Aye. Motion passes 5-0. Okay, that brings us to our first uh, press and public comment period. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. You come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. The commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. And we ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name calling when offering any critique. We actually could have, uh, right before the press and public comment, first one starts, you want to do the, uh, yes. the correction on the proclamation real quick. Yep, 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 yep. Um, is that all right? We do it now? Yeah, Certainly, yeah we can. Okay. Yeah, we can. So, um, uh, this is Proclamation 2112. Come up front. No. Designation of March as Good Sportsmanship Month, if you want to come up. Yep, this is in tab six, Commissioners. If you like. um, so, tell us, what sport do you coach? Field hockey. Ah, at what age? Um, they were in the year that I was nominated. I guess they were in four, uh, fifth and sixth grade. Fifth and sixth graders, yeah. so that's oh, age? Like 11 and 10, 12. 11, yeah, gotcha. 11, 12. Yeah. So, um, so my daughter plays for the Ken Island High School uh, field hockey team. Okay. And, and I will say for all our uh, Queen Anne's County High School listeners that Ken Island beat them three to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jack. <laughs> anyway, thank you for being a coach and especially a great sport like field hockey. We've Thank got some, some great youth programs that are feeding our high schools, and it's, and it's because of coaches like you. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I'll read your proclamation. Whereas Queen Anne's County recognizes that sports are a major social force that influences American culture and families in Queen Anne's County. And whereas being involved in sports, whether as a coach, player, or a fan, everyone should promote good sportsmanship and foster the development of positive characteristics for physical fitness and growth. Whereas elements of good sportsmanship reflect crucial life skills that help the students thrive throughout their education, rendering a strong sense of character and collaboration that will prepare them for the workplace. And whereas sportsmanship can combat bullying and promote inclusion by providing a safe and healthy environment where players value respect fairness, integrity, responsibility, and perseverance. And whereas fostering a commitment to these qualities on the playing field can prevent harassment and reduce incidents of con uh, concussions and other injuries. And whereas the state of Maryland has designated March as a good sportsmanship month, 
And whereas during Good Sportsmanship Month, we recognize Stephanie Grottendick as a coach who has met the criteria of good sportsmanship through her preparation and dedication, respect for officials, that's good. Uh, teaching skills, emphasis on teamwork, team ethics, leadership, motivation, sportsmanship, and patience. And whereas we recognize Stephanie Grottendick for her good sportsmanship and for being awarded the Good Sports Coach Award for the Mid-Atlantic Recreation and Sports Alliance. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, proclaim March as Good Sportsmanship Month here in Queen Anne's County. And thank you once again for your patience. Thank you very much for coming back. For being a good sport and coming back. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. You Thanks. Thank you. you too. You too. Yep. Thank you very much. All right. Now we're ready for the press and public comment. <clears throat> Which you've already read the spiel, so Thank we're you, good, Chris. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we do have someone for uh, Zoom tonight, so I can uh, kick it over to Matt Evans. I'm going to ask you to unmute, please, Matt, and then you may introduce yourself and begin. Good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Matt Evans. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, Matt. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. All right, go ahead. Good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Matt Evans. I'm a Talbot County resident, but I'm the Supervisor of Student Services in Queen Anne's County Public Schools, and I'm here this afternoon to speak about Challenge Day. Uh, the past two years, Queen Anne's County Public Schools has offered Challenge Day to, uh, to all seventh graders. Challenge Day is a full-day event committed to building empathy and compassion in our communities. The event helps youth and adults unlearn harmful habits, experience vulnerability as a pillar to restore strength and enable them to experience the freedom of full expression through the lens of compassion, connection, and diversity. Due to COVID-19, we weren't able to have the traditional in-person challenge day with our seventh graders this past fall. However, um, we are looking to do a virtual assembly challenge day for both seventh graders and eighth graders this year. This would give eighth graders a follow-up to what they received last year, and it certainly allows us to give something to the seventh graders this year. Um, this event we would hope to take place on June 2nd, uh, which is a Wednesday. It would be a 100% virtual assembly, which is different than the traditional in-person, but uh, certainly we have to make some changes to uh, make things work. Um, we would ask all students and, and teachers to attend. And uh, Linda Austin is here with me as well. Um, we had submitted a letter to the commissioners requesting money to fund this event for June 2nd. That's actually tab two, item nine, I think. So can I, can I ask a question? Sure. Um, Mr. Evans, um, yes. are you going to be able to do this virtually? I know when we did the challenge day in the schools, we did three different dates for three different middle schools, correct? Are you going to be yes, doing correct. Are you going to be doing this all, all the seventh and eighth graders at one time virtually? Yes. So the the virtual component will uh, allow up to one thousand participants, but when currently we have twelve hundred seventh and eighth graders enrolled in Queen Anne's County Public Schools. So when we add in teachers and other volunteers, we would have to have two separate one for seventh grade and one for eighth grade. But certainly, okay. um, our our plan is that they would happen simultaneously. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Anything else? Press public comment. Great. Uh, we did have Linda in the room, and uh, the, she's having trouble getting her audio to connect. 
And I think this might be her that's trying to call in, but I'm not positive you'd like me to try and see if that's her. Sure. Okay. All right, Linda, I believe if this is you, I've asked you to unmute. If you're there and can hear me. Hi, it's Linda. Hey, Linda. Hi. Sorry about that. Um, I did say that I was probably muted by a few, few commissioners. No, I mean, <laughs> 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 I was completely muted there for a while. But I've called in now, so I can't get online. Sorry about that, guys. That's okay. Well, you're good to go, and we're up to you if you'd like to speak. Okay. Um, I know Matt Evans is going to give you the statistics if he hasn't already in regards to what our request that we put before the county commissioners um, this evening for challenge day. We are looking at doing, um, because of different COVID restrictions and things, challenge day has taken a whole new turn where they're, where they're doing more assembly-like based um, presentations. And we'd like to offer that to our seventh grade as well this year on uh, roughly around the time frame of June 2nd. So that's why we're coming to the Cabinet Commissioners this evening for fun. Um, we've been doing Challenge Day uh, for the last couple of years with 7th grade and I know um, a few of the commissioners have participated um, during those days and it was greatly appreciated and I think you saw firsthand um, the impact. The impact this year from an assembly will be a little bit on a lighter note, um, not so much pouring down and breaking out in sessions due to the fact that um, we're concerned with kids being home virtual still um, and just get back in school. We're going to, Challenge Day is going to touch on a lot of those um, transition periods that we're all having to address now with going what we've all gone through in the last year. So I think it's good um, to have an assembly like this prior to going out um, for the summer, um, more on an upbeat, more gathering back together, getting some concerns out there. Did you all have any questions in regards to Challenge Day? Or I know Matt's going to tell you how many students and everything that we're going to cover. I think we're pretty clear. Yep, we already got some answers from Matt. Yep, Matt, Matt made a presentation okay. already. Okay. So we're clear, we're clear yeah. on the project. Okay, and I think it's going to be great. It's still going to allow us to have all teachers participating again, as well as the uh, community. So I think that's going to, you know, the community involvement is important as well. But I do, you know, hope we get your support. And once again, um, like work with you guys. And if you have any questions, just let us know. Thank you, Linda. All right. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Uh -huh. Okay. That's all we have virtually. Me list. No one signed up. All right, we'll close press public comment. Okay, commissioners, we can move on to uh, new business. We have uh, 20 action items here, well, 19 and one informational piece. So the first, if you want to switch, uh, turn to tab number three. Um, our first item is the uh, Department of Emergency Services Station 400 Safety Drive. This is for the mezzanine and windows construction contract award. And this is for a new mezzanine and windows replacement out there at the old um, helicopter hangar for Station 400. So can we get a motion on that, please? I move to award the DES Station 400 mezzanine and window construction contract to BRS Consulting Incorporated of Harrington, Delaware in the amount of 86000 and an authorized director of public works to issue the notice of award and execute the contract on behalf of the county commissioners. Second. All right, we've got a motion to second. Any discussions? 
questions? Nope. Tell us a little bit about this, Scott. Pardon me? You want to tell us a little bit about this? So, uh, part one is, I believe the hangar was built in the 80s, mm -hmm. somewhere in the 80s, and it has the original windows. Uh, so part of this is replacing the windows within the hangar. Uh, we've done a pretty effective job this last winter of heating the outside, and uh, hopefully with the window change, we'll, we'll prevent that from happening. Uh, but they're in desperate need of replacement. Uh, but they are the original windows that came with the hangar. Part two uh, is a project that has been kind of put on the shelf for almost a full year now. Uh, when COVID started, uh, we applied for a grant that we were strongly encouraged to apply for through uh, EMPG. And uh, we came up with the, the Mezzadine project, which is uh, building a storage facility kind of on our first level, two-room two, uh, storage facility with storage capabilities on the top of it. Uh, unfortunately, because of all the projects that came up during the COVID, this pretty much got put on the shelf and has been put on hold until we finally, actually our partners at DPW had uh, a chance to breathe and come up for air and, and start working on this project. So I believe uh, our two priority projects that we had were the windows and the smezzadine, and uh, they combined the two and bidded both at the same time. That's kind of the history on the on the project. Okay. Anybody have any other questions for them? Just note that there is grant funding associated with this as well, CARES money and a grant that Scott received for the uh, mezzanine section. Yeah, the, the mezzanine is paid for by 100% of the grants. The windows are not. That's part of the windows are not right. uh, Correct. Okay, so we have a motion to award the DES station 400 mezzanine and window construction contract to BRS Consulting. Inc. of Harrington, Delaware, in the amount of 86000 and authorize the Director of Public Works to issue the notice of award and execute the contract on behalf of the County Commissioners. Did you ask Steve? No, I was voting yes ahead of time. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're just so excited for the windows? I, I was really excited. <laughs> All right, so we got the motion, we get the second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5-0, motion passes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioners. Commissioners. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Item two on page three is uh, we have uh, we held a public hearing on February 23rd on a comprehensive water sewer plan amendment 11-16, and this is for the um, uh, we call this the Copec property amendment, and it would um, the request was to remove five conditions in order to allow up to 14 lots on two existing parcels between Winchester Creek and Chester River Beach subdivisions. So um, we are able to make a decision on that today if you choose to do so. Uh, Mr. Quimby's here to answer any questions you have about the uh, amendment request or about the project. All right, I'm gonna make a motion here on this and um, All right. I'll make a motion that um, we allow them to build um, the eight lots. I think that leaves, we had a plat that sort of showed a whole bunch on here. I think there's too many, so we're going to go with eight, and that leaves them the two residual parcels. Um, we'll remove the, the five conditions, but he has to have stormwater management facilities shall be designed and constructed um, in addition to any impacts to the surrounding properties, and it shall meet all state and county regulations. Um, and then the sewer connection, um, I think I have to have that connect down at the south end of the property closer to the pumping station. That would be my motion. Second. Okay. And then, uh, we got a motion second for discussions. We, we had a hearing on this um, and residents came and they expressed their concerns. 
This property already had eight lots that were on there. Um, this is just sort of reconfiguring where they're going to be on there. But there were some other concerns that were raised. He want, they, the developer wanted more than eight lots. We're not doing that. Um, and we're trying to take into concerns that the neighbors raised as well as you know, the property owner um, or the prospective property owner because it's under a contract to be purchased. Um, the tree farm is no longer there. Um, I think this is a compromise that sort of in, is consistent with what the original plan was for this lot when those lots were originally approved. Some of the conditions that had been in there were had something to do with tying and lighting to mm -hmm. an existing community, which a new developer can't do. You, they, they can't tie and lighting to it. He's not the developer of the, other, of the other community on Lob Lolly. So I think it makes sense to take that out of there. There was concerns about stormwater. The developer will still have to address stormwater management as part of this project. That is always out there. And hopefully, the management of the water will be better um, after that's implemented. So that's sort of my thought process behind trying to fashion a fair compromise. So for a point of order, I guess, does this need to be a new resolution, or does, are we amending uh, resolution 06-06 to, to basically say that the eight lots are still there, but we're going to remove some of the conditions and, and plug in the conditions that were motioned? I would recommend you uh, delete all the conditions or just completely throw away the original amendment and start fresh. Okay. That way it's clear. And in, in your eyes, the motion you made is what you interpret that to be, get rid of, or do we need to make a different motion for that? That's, I'm, I'm just trying to figure. My only question is, at the end of the day, do you envision eight new homes or ten new homes? Eight. Eight, eight new homes. Okay. So, so I would make the motion, I, I would withdraw your motion, make the motion to withdraw the conditions of 0606, mm -hmm. then re-establish your motion to right. hold it to eight lots. That way they're separate and, you know, they're separate. Make two motions, make kill 0606. Right. Correct. And then make a new one. And then make so, a new motion. So I'll, I'll make a motion to, how do you, what's the terminology used for that? You don't use kill. Uh, rescind. Rescind. Uh, rescind, yeah. I'll make a motion to rescind, uh, uh, was that a... Was a resolution right? The five conditions of the proclamation. Thank you. <laughs> I make a motion to rescind proclamation 06 06. Rescind, right? Get rid of it. Yeah, but just the conditions, right, Alan? The five conditions. Because there was other stuff in that. If you rescind the whole resolution, you, you might be knocking out some other stuff. I think you just want to. No, I think, you, I think the proper thing to do is that you're going to get rid of 06 06 correctly. Right. right, resolution. Motion one. Motion two would be to amend the request, whatever this number is, with add Mr. Okay. Corporino's conditions. I didn't know if there was anything else in that resolution that no. may be effective. No, no, All no. right, so, so we have, so Jim's uh, motion is to rescind the five. 0606. 0606. So I second that. Okay. 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 So we've got a motion to rescind 0606 and a second. <clears throat> Any discussion on that? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay. So that the motion to rescind 0606 passes. Now make five zero. <laughs> now for the next part. So then my motion is now that we have we allowed to create eight houses, eight parcels, um, that the stormwater facilities shall be designed and constructed um, in accordance with state and local law. Um, and the sewer connection will have to be down closer to the pumping station. Got that, Margie? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Second. All right. Motion second. Discussion. So we are eliminating any development in there to the eight lots that already exist. Correct. And have already been plotted and could be built anyway. Right. 
Okay. So you don't need to make the other two motions with that. You just eight and that's it. Yeah. Well, well, well the eight, well, the eight, eight new lots will be configured. Will be subdivided as part of the the next phase. They're not. They don't exist yet. There's two par parcels there currently. But we're saying eight house inspectors with eight, Commissioner yeah. Corcoran has motion. Total. Yeah. total, right? Total of eight houses. Yeah. It's basically sort of consistent what was there before. They're just right. going to be yeah. relocated, a different configuration, right, from what was already there. Right. Yeah. On on the 0606, the original amendment, it, it stated there shall be no more than eight new or existing lots created on the properties. <clears throat> there you go. Is right. that what we're saying? Yep. So eight, we're staying with total, total lots. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Eight new or existing, so it's a total of eight. Total of eight. Total of eight. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's a motion. A second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. Nay. Okay. Two opposed. Three in favor. Motion passes. Thank you. Good. Yep. Thank you, Alan. Good to see. You. All, right. All right, commissioners. Moving on, uh, we have um, item number three on page five. And this is a letter to designate myself as the uh, appointed uh, county administrator of the county to conduct sale and accept electronic bids for the county's public facilities and refunding bonds of 2021 for the county's tax board with refunding bonds of 2021. Do we need to make a motion first? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Move to sign yeah. the bond award delegation letter. Got a motion. Got a second. Um, I I would just I would want to see some second. some I'll second resumes. Uh, and and his qualifications to to take on that kind of responsibility. <laughs> well, that him first, would right? only be fair to can, Check can his you give us some references? So noted. I can I can certainly <laughs> provide those references. Yeah. He does look kind of shifty. <laughs> you know, kinda. <laughs> we just we just got way too confusing on that last motion. I just. Yeah. Sorry. I All right. Just so bring it back in. We have a motion to sign, sign the bond award delegation letter. Um, I second it. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? <laughs> Five zero motion passes. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, item number four on page six through 51 is bond resolution 21-06. And this is for authorizing the issuance and sale of two series of general obligation bonds for a maximum of $43 million. That's the refunding of the 2011 and 2014 bonds. And then the 2021 bonds, the new money of up to 13 million. I move to adopt and sign bond resolution 23-06. Second. Somebody better. <laughs> a motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? 5-0, motion passes. All right, thank you, commissioners. Um, it's just about 6 o'clock. Do you want to stop for presentations, or do you want to just continue on with the... Uh, One more. Let's roll. Yep. Okay. Item number 5 on page 52, and this is um, the semi-annual property tax payment service fee. Uh, we are authorized to bill a service fee for lost interest and administrative costs with uh, the semi-annual property tax billing and we are recommending that we waive that fee for the for this upcoming tax season. And this this is just it would it would cost about a dollar seventy nine per household if we were to implement that fee for lost revenue that we won't collect as a result of getting all the property taxes due on September thirtieth by allowing them to split that payment between September thirtieth and December thirty first. 
I move to submit the, to the Department of Assessments and Taxation an approval form for the establishment of county and municipal service fees for semi-annual property tax payments, a service charge in the amount of 0%. Second. We got a motion and second. Any discussion? I want to say one thing. You know, I don't know how we can ever say we're losing revenue when they're paying a year in advance. If anybody's losing revenue, it's the taxpayer. So I mean, that's this is probably the best thing how we many, do. And, well, and, it's, and it's, how many it's interest we would otherwise earn? We're we're allowed. Right, but we're going to earn interest on something that's not due. Technically, you're going to be paid in September, and that money's not going to be spent until January, February. You know what I mean? You're you're getting paid in advance. And then we want to charge interest on top of that. Yikes! Yeah. No, it's, it's interest we lose by not having the money when it's when we technically it would be due September 30th. We put it in the bank and earn. But it's not technically due December 1st because we can pay in two installments. Well, no, that's that's a service we offer. We don't have to we don't have to do that. We can just say it's due September 30th and not provide. Mm -hmm. an how many, how many, we'll never do that with me here. So. How, many <laughs> how many households actually pay their 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 annual property uh, taxes? In every you know, twice a year, roughly most mortgage companies. Roughly fifteen thousand. Yeah, fifteen thousand do it. Okay. Yeah, you'll have those who don't have don't have the money escrowed, escrowed and so right. they'll, they'll do it. Okay. So I'm just that'd be like your seniors and stuff like that. So it's it's a big benefit for them. Fifteen thousand. I would have never guessed it was that many. Any other discussion? All right. We got a motion to submit to the Department of Assessment Taxation and Approval form for the establishment of county and municipal service fees for semi-annual property tax payments, service charge in the amount of 0%, which was seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. All right, thank you, commissioners. Okay, it's just a few minutes after six, and if you wanna to move to presentations, we have Mike Clark, Chief of Housing and Family Services, and you by yourself? Okay. I'll answer it too. This is the Community Development Block Grant CDBG hearing. You Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having us. Allowing us to do this. I have Ann Van Benchoden with me. She is the kind of the go-to person for both these grants that were the Community Development Block Grants, and they require us to have hearings um, two per grant cycle. So this is second for both the grants. One is a um, One's one for a housing study that we're, we're almost done, and then the second one is for a COVID relief uh, grant that we got through the CDBG program. So we are required to have hearings in which they give me some language, uh, they being the state, give me language that they ask for me to read um, and read it into the record. And then um, after that's done, um, we have time for, uh, if anybody signed up for the hearing, um, to get comments up to three minutes per comment. I don't think we have anybody currently signed up for that. But if it's all right with you, I'll, I'll read, start the hearing and read into the record. It takes about just a time to just under three minutes to read, if that's okay. We're gonna time, we're gonna time you. All right, <laughs> I've done it twice. Let's see if so. he can beat Patrick's record. <laughs> all right, so here it goes. Thank you, by the way. So per our grant agreements with the Maryland Department of Housing and Community Development, DHCD, we are required to hold a second public hearing to provide a review of program performance and status of grant activities. The public hearing must be held prior to the grant end date and a notice of the hearing must be published in the local newspaper at least five days prior to the hearing. 
A notice of public hearing was placed in the Record Observer slash Bay Times and on the Division of Housing Community Services website, which can be uh, connected to through qachousing.org on March 12th, 2021, announcing that the public hearing was set for Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021 at 6 p.m. at the Liberty Building at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland, 21617. The public hearing will review the performance and progress of the following projects. Queen Anne's County Housing Study for $50,000, Queen Anne's County Rental Assistance $80,000, Queen Anne's County Quarantine Sheltering for $10,200. First, Queen Anne's County Housing Study. Queen Anne's County received an award of $50,000 to perform a housing study. This project is aimed to analyze solutions of the housing crisis in our rural county. The Queen Anne's County Housing Study is about 90% complete. We are reviewing and upgrading the final draft with assistance from planning and zoning. We are expecting to have the study completed within the next two months and look forward to the consultant's presentation of the findings. COVID round one, Queen Anne's County Emergency Rental Assistance. Queen Anne's County received an award of $80,000 to provide three months of rental assistance to households whose income has been negatively impacted by the loss of employment or reduction in hours as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. Queen Anne's County Housing has assisted five families totaling $24,500 in rental assistance. The funds have assisted families with up to three months of rent and have helped keep these families stably housed. Currently, there is $55,000 remaining in rental assistance funds. We've had several applicants apply for the rental assistance program, but have not finished the application progress process. Compared to our other rental assistance programs, there is a great deal of paperwork required to complete this process, as well as more restricted guidelines to qualify for these funds. Queen Anne's County Quarantine Sheltering. Queen Anne's County received an award of $10,200 to provide necessary sheltering at hotels for low and moderate income persons who must be quarantined due to the COVID-19 crisis. Currently, we've not seen a need for the sheltering funds. It seems that most individuals who need to quarantine were able to shelter in their current homes and did not need to go to a hotel or motel. So at this point, it's public contents, com comments. We now have, we have now reached the public comment section of the public hearing. The hearing requires testimony to be heard from members of the community and for any of the three current projects. Comments will be limited to three minutes. So, um, unless you have any questions, we can close the hearing. Let's close the hearing. Okay. Good to go. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Stay there, Mike. I think you have a. Mike, you have the next item. Oh, that's right. Have <laughs> You're not the going anywhere. Yet. Not you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in so long. So. You, have, you haven't heard from me. You've not all done yet. That's right. <laughs> so, um, in in. Uh, in regards to the same program, CDBG funds, we're required to have certain policies in place um, as required so that we can get funding. And those policies get, are required to be renewed. They have expiration dates and they have to be renewed. And three of those policies have expired to um, this month, I believe, and need to be um, reapproved by the commission. So um, those three policies are the Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity Plan, the Section 3 Plan, and the Minority Business Plan. They're all, we haven't made any changes to them from the previous version of them. Pat Thompson's reviewed them and says they're okay. We have done a, a little, two or three grammatical errors or corrections to them, but other than that, they're the same policies, and we would just appreciate it if you'd be willing to um, make the uh, motion that's on that action memo. Make and approve that motion. 
Okay, uh, we move that the following plans as attached to this document be adopted and signed by President Corcorino for Queen Anne's County, Maryland. One, Queen Anne's County Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity Plan 2021. Two, Queen Anne's County Section 3 Plan 2021. And, and three, Queen Anne's County Minority Business Plan 2021. Second. All right, we've got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? By zero, motion passes. All right, thank you. And then the final is um, if, if you would be so willing to do the resolution proclaiming next month, Fair Housing Month. Um, sure would appreciate it. It's, um, it's a fair, April's Fair Housing Month across the nation and in the spirit of providing access to quality housing for all, we would respectfully request that you proclaim as such. And I think there's a proclamation 2115. Commissioner Wilson. All right, here we go. Proclamation 21-15, whereas the 1968 Fair Housing Act, which guarantees the right of all Americans to dwell in the neighborhood of their choice, is one of the most important components of our national civil rights policy. And even though this non-discriminatory policy is now the law of the land, its proper enforcement requires the continued cooperation of government, real estate, and home building industries and private citizens. And whereas the location that people live have a direct impact on the quality of their health education and access to economic opportunities. And whereas economic stability, community health, and human relations in all communities are improved by diversity and integration and acts of housing discrimination and barriers to equal housing opportunities are unacceptable in a common sense of decency and fairness. And whereas the county commissioners believe that access to fair housing laws have made our community stronger and more vibrant in Queen Anne's County. And whereas this community <coughs> cooperative effort helps guarantee equal housing opportunity in our area. And it's especially deserving of public recognition as we celebrate the anniversary of the signing of the Federal Fair Housing Act during the month of April. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby proclaim the month of April 2021 to be Fair Housing Month and do commend the efforts of all making fair housing a reality in our county. Sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Very good. Yeah. That's everything for us, unless there's any questions. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. So, uh, only question I have, Mike, is, is there any, um, how, how's your, um, the housing funding that we get, the money we use for uh, people to buy I'm trying to remember what the, oh, the, the, the revolving fund. Thank you. That's revolving the program. So you we want to... fill it every year. I mean, are you, are you, are, is there any money left, or are we still got some left to, to we, delve in? We did, but once spring hits, it seems like that's a big... goes that quick. Yep. Wow. Yep. So we've okay. maxed out, and I'm looking forward to doing some more next year. So, so we'll uh, start at July 1st. So out of care because that rolls. So you know, once they're in there, they're in there till they sell it, and then we get our money back. But yeah, how many people? How many? How many families have we? Uh, we've done about 
probably anywhere between 140, 150. Total over the years. That's the programs. So, both programs, right. the MPDU and the Critical Workforce Program. Very good. She's got a map on her wall that shows the dots. All the pins. The dots. And really? Yeah, and it's yeah. really, and it's all over the county. It is yeah, really, exactly. really yeah, neat. It looks great, and it shows that everybody's throughout the county. It's yeah. not just one area. It's throughout. They're dispersed throughout. I'd like to see that. Okay. Let's you take a picture of it and put it up I on the screen next time. Yeah, we have it on our housing website, but we can send you a copy of it. Um, for the backlog for this program, yeah, I would. I mean, they, we kind of people know when the money's available, so we don't really have a. Haven't had that yet. <laughs> but if we do, I mean, one or two, depending on what it is. Sometimes we can do a budget amendment if we have the funds available in right. the program. Um, but we've been very successful lately getting a lot of the funds from the developers. Right. So um, the um, amount is growing, so that's great. Very that's good. Great. So we can offer more. Thank funds. you. Awesome. Great. Very successful very program. Thank you. Keep it going. Thanks. Well done. All right, Kathy. Yeah, we can. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Ann. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, we're right about at 6.15. We have Kathy Willis, our Department of <coughs> Community Services Director, for her annual report and update. I believe she is out there, and Mike's going to stay mm -hmm. here yep. for this presentation as well, I think. Come on in, Kathy. All right. And this is also in tab six, item number three. Mm -hmm. Good Hello. evening. Good evening. Good evening. which the timing of is our annual report for FY20. Um, so we took a little, um, every year we do this, this brochure, we give a little highlight on, sorry, thank you, a highlight on um, the services that the department did for the fiscal year previous. Um, as you can see, and from my message and from the programs that we administer, the three sections being the Area Agency on Aging, the Local Management Board, and Housing and Community Services. And typically we come in and we talk about, you know, regular programming, what we've done traditionally and historically for many, many years at the department. And this, this last year, FY20, of course, took quite a twist and started out quite normally and then turned into our, our pandemic year. So we had many adjustments. And fortunately with those adjustments, we've had a lot of funding um, from the federal government to help us maintain some of the critical services when we had to, a year ago, shut down senior centers. We had to ad adapt to any of the in-home services we were doing. We couldn't get into the homes to do the services. Our transportation services started to, to wane because we had um, all of the protocol of how many could be on a bus or if they couldn't it was actually suspended completely at one time and then um, to all of the other services that we met one-on-one -on -one with individuals serving the people in the community on a daily basis that ceased to exist so we had to find creative ways to do um, provide the services and keep the people 
sustained in their own homes in the community as best we could. We were able to do a lot of that, of course, through our regular funding and through the, the support that you have given us for many, many years, which we are grateful for. But in the instance of senior centers shutting, that shut out a whole group of people who were not receiving nutrition services. So the state and local governments all work together to provide meals to these folks in different means, um, different fashions, because technically your, your home delivered meals program isn't all that exciting um, when it comes down to it because they have to follow nutrition guidelines, very specific, um, that are healthy to the individuals. Well, we all, we all know healthy is not necessarily yummy. You mean no cheesesteaks? No, no. So we can't do like the spaghetti meals like we did a couple times? And... Well, we've adapted to that. So okay. we've gotten to that. Uh -huh. um, creative ways. Uh, my staff has, has been very, very helpful in doing so. We started out with simply serving additional frozen meals, which is what we do on a regular basis. Um, we did that. We instituted all the protocols. We had people um, calling every time a meal was delivered. The individual was called by other staff prior to my meal delivery person getting there so they could go through all the questions of do they have symptoms, do they have, so do, that we would minimize risk. So they've been doing that until last week and I stopped it finally. These girls, those part of my staff would come in every delivery day and they would take the call down list and call everybody, are you having any symptoms, this, that, and the other. Um, and we finally decided it's time to loosen the are, we, are, are, are your people going in the house? They're going to the house, but yes, I have workers going in the house now, right. as long as they're vaccinated right. um, and they follow the protocol. We have to, we, okay. we just have to. They can't come to the senior center yet, but there is talk and there is hope. Um, we are preparing and we've sent an updated plan to the state how we are ready to open um, and how we will activate. Um, it might take a little while on the meals and things, but. Um, I'm pretty sure when the governor says go, they're gonna be beating down our doors and we're excited. So we're, we're getting very prepared. Um, as for the meals though, we found that frozen meals wasn't as exciting to everybody. So we got some options and part of the COVID funding allowed us to do contracts with restaurants. So we did restaurant meals. So every Friday, a fresh meal gets delivered to a huge amount of people, some of which don't participate in the frozen meals. Um, <laughs> And it comes from Love Point Deli uh -huh. and Commerce Street Creamery. And they make them fresh every Friday and we deliver them just like we would. We adjusted our frozen meal delivery so we'd have an extra day to be able to deliver those. Then we instituted more recently a grab and go meal, which in some of the centers, some days it's typically on Thursdays. Am I correct? Only Thursday, Annie? Annie's the senior center manager or administrator, so she's fabulous at keeping all these food options straight. Um, I couldn't do it without her. So they're doing the, the grab and go where people actually drive up and come to the senior center. Now, once in a while, um, specifically in Southersville, the manager there cooks all her meals. Mm. Um, so they had recently, they had just had a St. Patty's Day meal last week. So they had 60 or 70 people come. Nice. Um, so it's really cool because you're seeing all the people that used to come to the center, they're coming through, driving through literally, we're serving their meal. We did it at Christmas. I was lucky enough to get out of the office to do it at Christmas at Southersville. Um, and then Graysonville has done theirs. They either do, they're cooking it or they're providing the fresh meal from one of the contracts we have.
So that's been a lot of fun and very, it's, it's a good morale boost for not only the, the um, citizens that come to the center, but the, the um, staff, because they've missed them just as well too. So, mm. so those are just a few of the things. Um, of course, the meals are, we're giving a lot more. And as nervous as I get sometimes in continuing to take on new people all the time, because my concern is sustainability after it stops. How do you just cut these people off? You can't. Um, so we're working on that, but we've just been notified that we're getting statewide another 2.9 million for the meals nutrition program statewide. So soon we'll be learning about what we'll actually get as a county. So, um, so those are just some, some fun highlights that we've made the best of what we could do in, in a very long year. Um, and we're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, but we're still following all the precautions and, and always looking for new innovative ways to do things. So that's a nice little gist on um, the aging side. And I can let um, Mike um, highlight some of the LMB and housing. Um, the themes are, are similar uh, for the local management board and the housing side. Uh, when, when COVID first kind of started, I mean, my, my recollection was that we kind of we were going to start scaling back services and just kind of hunker down. And what I've what I've observed through that, both in the Department of Community Services and our agency with the county, the local management board, there was very little hunkering. We we didn't do we didn't do that. Instead. We really stepped up um, to find one to find how the vital services we're currently providing non-COVID continue because um, we're all dealing with very vulnerable populations, both in Kathy's age and our age, from the children and the housing side to, to make sure that because they're vulnerable already and now they've got this virus. So, and we've got to try to find a way to get contact and stay in contact. So we found ways to keep those vital services going, um, encourage our program partners in the community that provide those same services from an L&D perspective to continue to do that and how to help them do that. Um, then we, on top of that, added additional services, which a lot of people in the county did for, that were pandemic related, um, mostly with the same staff that we had before. And then we also um, support other initiatives in the county through things that the commission would provide us, the county administrator would, would help us in the health department and then community volunteers needed. So we provided support in those kind of four main areas. So with that in mind, we have a list, but, um, you know, I just thought of like, for example, examples of that is our mentoring program. We have two mentoring programs that were serving those vulnerable populations and now they've got to continue to serve them so they don't, you know, crash and burn because of COVID when they're just barely making it before. Um, and, and now you can't even go out and see them face to face yet. So they, we encourage them and they continue to provide services and, and did a great job with that. Um, we continue to provide vital housing services, which we just talked about previously with the first time home buyer loans, housing rehabilitations, homeless prevention services. And we did that actually, those, those standard services at a higher rate than the previous year for each one of those. Um, and in addition to our, our homeless prevention, right before I, I came over here, uh, Cindy Boone that works in our homeless prevention handed me three three documents where she was giving me overviews of within the last three weeks of three families that she's housed that were literally homeless. These weren't at risk of being homeless. One was a family, a gentleman that just got a job in construction with his three children. They'd been living in a hotel and um, she was able to find him permanent housing and he's got a job now. And um, there's two other families just like that, that just, she's been working for several months just to get in place. And she was extremely excited about that as was I. So, 
So staff not only maintained service levels, but they really stepped them up. And, and then lastly, the other thing we noticed is, is that the community did too. And it was kind of an honor to watch how, how the Department of Aging and others, but also the local management board helped support a lot of those community volunteer efforts where they're working that we, they were interested, they were getting out there, they were making a real difference with like our home, our meals program that we had, the, the backpacks for food program for the students. Um, I know that I talked with Commissioner Dumino on the phone about that several times and, and we were hoping that through the local management board and other work that we were able to make some of that volunteer work more efficient and more effective for those folks. In, in and, 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 and obviously want to commend my fellow commissioners for agreeing to fund those programs. So you, and, and this commission has been incredibly supportive. And Mike, have you had to turn anybody away? What's that? Have you had to turn anybody away? I mean, it's for food? No, for anything like, like you said about the homes that you just there's well it, it's not we haven't had to turn anybody away we right. still have funding um, some of it it just takes a little while to yeah. find them funding but we we continue to work with them okay. on occasion somebody may not qualify for a certain service because of their income level but typically we're able to refer them somewhere provide some service somehow you know, we've we've had a lot of unique referrals this year between both of all three divisions because of of the nature of the things that are going on and the uh, you know folks are suffering more than they have been in the past. But we've we've been able to find some creative out of the box ways to do so. Um, and if if there's do you have anything final? Um, just finally, I want to I can thank Dr. Ciatola for thanking me the last time he was here. But <clears throat> we've had a fantastic relationship with helping with the um, vaccine call center. Um, Annie actually started with the scheduling of all the call center and we called on all county departments and we put a little blurb I think in the, the newsletter recently if I hope you saw that um, employees from other departments from public works to recreation to prevention to other groups stepped in and helped us do that. We're running, we're running four people a day, five days a week in that call center to answer the phones that are still ringing off the hook for vaccinations and help and guidance to do that. Um, we're starting to slow down a little bit with some of our participation because, because other services are ramping up and we of course have to meet our needs too because this is a volunteer service. But um, um, And then when Annie ramped up with all of the new meal programs and the uh, grab and goes and the fresh meals and all that, um, Mike's division and Mike took over scheduling of that call center. So it's been a it's been a good effort between two agencies um, that you know we still have big challenges ahead and we still have people that need vaccinations in certain categories and we're going to hopefully get to all of them very soon. Do we soon. know where we are in the 75 and older <clears throat> as far as the numbers that have been vaccinated and how many still have to? 75 and older that have expressed an interest have been vaccinated. Now, all the 75 around the county have been vaccinated, we don't know, but those that are on our interest list, we have now cleared that. But we still have a lot of 65 and over. Yeah, we're, we're 23 or 4,000. We've got 14,000, 15,000 on our intention list, of which four or 5,000 are Queen Anne's. So, so we have some more people to get to. We have, we have quite a few that, that chose not to. We did just finish, um, and I'm sure he mentioned this, um, but we just finished all the independent living sites, the senior sites. So we've done seven um, within the county. And that was a mandate that came from the secretaries, both of the Maryland Department of Aging and the Maryland Department of Health. So um, 
I've been reporting that each week to the, the Maryland Department of Aging that goes through. And um, so those facilities are complete for the older senior population facilities, um, mm. apartments in the county. So that's been a big plus too. Um, but, you know, we're just, the teamwork amongst our internal departments, our external departments, and our departments that are not only county but state um, has been quite phenomenal. So we really hope that we are reaching everybody we need. And if we're not, they just have to call us up and we'll see what we can do to fix it. So, um, but thank you for your support. We couldn't do any of this without you. Well, I've said it in the past. I mean, you two wear so many different hats. And the people that you come in contact with next to a, a paramedic on an accident, you come into the, you know, the, the people that are in dire needs and, and, and help. And thank you. Couldn't think of two better people to run it. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, we we're, I forget we're a very affluent county, yeah. but there are still those that are in need. And so I think the citizens of Queens County should be very proud of the work that you guys do. And I mean, it's really directing resources where we can help people and give them a leg back up into getting through the hard times. And asking for Phil, I mean, you know, when it comes to those meals, Adam's ribs and, you know, pizza? No? Or what do you think, Phil? You know, Come on, man. they keep sending the money. We'll see. Yeah. But in some jurisdictions, in some jurisdictions across the state, the restaurant program is amazing and it's excellent. In some, it's not because we also have um, nonprofit area agencies on aging that prepare their own meals mm. and do it internally. And they've had to lay people off because they mm. haven't had that funding. So we have... We're just about finishing um, the the session, and the the Maryland Department of Aging funding has been we have included through the Maryland Association of Area Agencies on Aging, which I do the testimony for, and Todd has all of that. That that we've asked for specific language to be put into the budget for the state that gives each jurisdiction local autonomy to determine where our funds go. Mm. So we're very excited. That was, uh, should be finalized um, by next week, but it's made it through all of the first sessions and committees. We had a big success on Friday night. So we're looking forward to, you know, instead of the state just giving it out mm -hmm. and saying, you have to use this for this and right. this for that. All we ask for is just, by jurisdiction, it's different. It's very what different. What each one is. Yes. Right. So a quick question, getting back to the, the Friday meals that you were referencing with yes. the, with um, you're not qualified. <laughs> no, no, I know. Just wasn't if you have leftovers. That's yeah. all he's asking for. <laughs> but but my, I, my question is that these these two uh, businesses, North County and, and South County, that have stepped up. Um, is it the meals that they're doing it at a reduced price at their cost? How is that? Have a, we have a contract price with with them that. Mm, that works. It's a little more than what we typically do on our frozen meals, but obviously it should be. Right. So we've, we've worked it all out with um, contracts with each of them. They both charge the same thing. So, um, you know, it's, it all depends on the meal and the quality or the, the presence of, is it a lunchtime meal? Is it a dinnertime meal? Was, you know, mm. same thing with the grab and go. They set the price on that. So. And those two businesses again? Love Point Deli and Commerce Creamery. Street Creamery. And that could expand. It could change. Um, we're, we're open, whatever we can do. And depending on this next round of funding, we've spent all that funding. Mm -hmm. We're continuing it through our local funding that we haven't spent because we still have, you know, they say spend cares first. Mm -hmm. So we've done all that. All right. Now we're yeah. finally dipping now your into own coffers. To the other grants and things. So 
Um, and with this new pot coming, you know, and my, just like anything else with transit funding, the transit funding I have right now, I've just received another million dollars that I can use up through wow. 2024. Mm. So lots of possibilities. Very good. You, you've always been a great curator of those funds. <laughs> we try to. We need to maximize them to their fullest potential. Awesome. So every few weeks, I send Michael a new client, and Michael fixes whatever and Michael it is. Last yes, me yes. And, writes, <laughs> and he writes me a letter. Writes me a letter saying yeah. it's done. I mean, please. Yeah. I mean, this is well. Excessive. The last one said I passed it to Kathy, but at least I wrote it. <laughs> really and you'll get a response from him soon because we've we've taken care of most oh, of that today. Yeah. So. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Andrew. Good to see you. All right. I can do yours. Okay, like. commissioners, we have a little bit of time before our tax set-off hearing. So if we want to flip back to tab number three, we can pick up at um, item number six. Tab and this two, is, isn't it? Pardon me? Tab two? Tab, tab three. three. And then mine was set up wrong. Yeah. Because it's all oh. under tab two. Excuse me. Item yeah. who? Tab three, item six on page 54. <laughs> and this is a uh, once, once a year citizens have an opportunity to put forth uh, citizen sponsored text amendments to uh, Title 18. This year we received three of them and they are attached in this packet here and we are um, obligated to send these to the Planning Commission for their review and then they'll send a report back to us with recommendations and then we will hold a public hearing. These three um, are 2102 from the um, Walt Petrie Bay Bridge Marina Ventures uh, to pro uh, propose allowing minor and multifamily units in the UC as part of a redevelopment that includes an existing marina. We have 2103 Nashville Properties LLC which would allow for self-storage facilities within the town center with interior access. And then 2104 from uh, Trip Callahan. And this would um, um, currently permit, well, excuse me, it would expand the use of uh, utility solar, utility scale solar arrays in the ag and countryside districts uh, specifically within that, uh, in that zone. And that would be them to allow those outside of that two-mile radius on properties that are partially inside of the USA, USSA district. Mm -hmm. So um, we can forward these on to the Planning so, Commission. So we don't need a motion for this? We don't need to vote on this. Informational. Uh, we okay. must submit these to the Planning Commission. They will come back and um, we can vote on them once we have a public hearing on their, uh, on their reports. Okay. Ready? Okay. All right. That takes care of item number six. Item number seven, and Mike just left here. This is a subordination agreement for uh, Jonathan Gunther. He was, this client is requesting a, an agreement to lower his interest rate on his home. It's a critical workforce loan program uh, recipient. Can I get a motion on that, please? Sure. Uh, I'll do it. I'll move to, I move to sign the subordination agreement. Second. Get a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0 motion passes. Thank you, commissioners. Item number eight on page uh, 74. 
through page 81 is the economic development incentive funding uh, recommendation for Robert Laraway, and this is uh, an EDIF recommendation for conditional loan for up to $50,000 to Robert Laraway for uh, his practice of the Kent Island orthodontics for purchasing additional equipment and sanitation supplies to uh, expand his dentist facility office orthodontics at the um, on Kent Island in Stevensville at the old Kent Island firehouse. And uh, this would uh, allow him to buy the necessary equipment to add stations and create 10 additional full-time positions, jobs, within three years of funding. And uh, Heather Finale is here if you have any questions. Can I get a motion on this one, please? I move to approve the disbursement of $50,000 of the Economic Development Incentive Funding to Robert Laraway, DDC, LLC, DBA, Kent Island Orthodontics, for the purpose of purchasing dental equipment. The disbursement of funds is contingent upon a signed agreement between the EDIF Commission and the company out, outlining the conditions of the agreed, excuse me, of the agreement and performance of the project in accordance with the application submitted to the EDIF Commission. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? Uh, just a comment. Um, I mean, you, you, here it says provide high quality orthodontic care at affordable fees. For any of those folks out there that have had to put braces in the mouths of babes, <clears throat> it's costly. And, and it's a shame to think that some kids don't get them that need them because of that cost. Um, my other, I guess my other question is we, we don't, it, it says 10 full-time employees um, within the next three years. Do we know how many he has on staff already now? I guess we don't do. Heather? It's just him right now, he's doing two days a week. Heather, come on up. We can hear you on the microphone. Sorry, Heather. Sorry. Oh, you can take the mask off. It's a habit. <laughs> <laughs> so currently, he started his business in January and he's still working elsewhere as well. So he's doing two full days a week. So it's him and a part-time person. His goal within the first year, so January to January, is to have six full-time people. And then within three years, have the 10. And that'll include x-ray techs, um, orthodontist assistants, you know, the billing people, the front desk people, everything. And so I, I see it easily happening, you know, easily reaching that 10. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about the affordable care thing. Yeah. He's going to have an, uh, a digital um, component to his business where he's already bought the x-ray machine. And uh, with this funding, he'll be able to buy the actual printer. And he's going to print 3D uh, Invisaligns, which will be a lot less expensive than Invisalign and Smile Direct. So he'll be able to offer solutions to people at reduced costs. Find example of the, the EDC funds of work. And this is a good one. Okay. Not that they're not all good. Uh, comment? Nope. All right. So we have a motion to approve the disbursement of $50,000 of the EDIF funding to Robert Lairway, DDLC, DBA, Kent Island Orthodontics for the purpose of purchasing dental equipment. The disbursement of the funds is contingent upon a signed agreement between the EDIF Commission and the company outlining the conditions of the agreement and performance of the project in accordance with the application submitted to the EDIF Commission. All those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed? All right, five zero, motion passes. And let him know since you know he is benefiting from this that it will be. <laughs> what? 
Nothing. Mr. Wilson's over here being. <laughs> I think let him know, you know, to the extent that he can also be providing some orthodontic services to those in need who can't afford them, that would be viewed very favorably as well. All right. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, commissioners. Back to your law firm, guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on, we have uh, item number nine on page 82, and this is a request for some funding for the virtual challenge day. And we heard from uh, Matt Evans earlier this evening and Linda Austin, and they are requesting $13,000 to fund the virtual spring challenge day during the spring of this year, the school year. I move to sponsor the 2020-2021 virtual challenge day school event uh, with $13,000. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? I, I just wanted, I just wanted to just make a statement that I think um, the psychological impact that this this pandemic has had on our, our children in the schools, and um, so much to the extent that I think this event couldn't be more important this year. Not that it wasn't important before, because I know Commissioner Jack Wilson participated in the Challenge Day as as I did as well. Um, uh, our kids need it right now more than they've ever needed it. Um, and I and I think that the fact that they're willing to somehow make this this work, uh, kudos to them. Okay. So we have a motion to sponsor the 2021 Virtual Challenge Day School event. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Five zero. Motion passes. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 10 on page uh, 83. This is a, uh, a local form. That, this is actually last year's form. Uh, the, the Board of Education submits to us. It's a request for non-reoccurring cost exclusions, and we are obligated to provide this form annually. We, um, for whatever reason, we haven't done so. This is from 2020. We also have the next item is for 2021, but as you can see, the, uh, the Board of Education sent this over. Dr. Kane has signed it and they requested $0 for this. Um, so it's just a, a formality at this point. So th these items are typically included in their, in their capital fund. So it's something we need to look forward to uh, each year with the Board of Education budgeting. So I'm gonna move to approve the complete and sign the FY 2020 non-recurring cost request form. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? Yeah, I guess my question is, if there was ever a year that they would have a non-reoccurring cost, I would have thought it would have been this year since, let's face it, we've never had this before. And I mean, I know a lot, I've talked to a lot of other elected officials around the state and almost every other LEA has utilized that this year because of COVID or whether it was PPE, you know, whatever the case may be, it just seems like a logical year where you would really take advantage of it because it's outside of MOE, so. Anyway, I digress. All right. So we have a motion to second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? 5-0 motion passes. Okay. And item 11 is the same form for 2021. As Commissioner Wilson mentioned, they've also supplied this with uh, zero dollars as well. Can I get a motion on 2021 or 2022? This is for, excuse me, 2022. Thank you, Commissioner. Yeah. I move to approve the complete and sign the FY 2022 non-recurring cost request form. Got a motion and a second from Commissioner Wilson. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0 motion passes. Thank you, Commissioners. 
Item number 12 is uh, budget amendment CC32. This is the Ag Land Preservation Matching Funds Program, and we took care of this uh, several meetings ago, and this would um, provide for a commitment of $300,000 towards the MAUF program uh, for next year using um, the Ag Transfer Tax and general fund dollars uh, for that allocation. Motion to approve CC32. Second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5-0, motion passes. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, item 13 on page 88 is budget amendment CC33. Motion to approve CC33. <laughs> Second. Yeah. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5-0, motion passes. Okay. Item 14 on page 89 is budget amendment CC38. This is the... Uh, Whoa, 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 whoa. 34. 34. What did I say? 38? 38, yeah. 34. Yeah, CC 34. Mm -hmm. And this amendment would establish budget authority trans to transfer $85,680 from the bridge fund to the EDIF incentive fund and then close out the bridge fund completely. <laughs> motion to approve oh, wait, 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 CC 34. Wait. Mr. Wilson said he wants to make this motion. Oh, go ahead. I do. <laughs> I move. To approve budget amendment CC 34. Second. Got a motion, a second. Any discussion? Um, did we check to see if there's any outstanding uh, commitments for this? <laughs> we'll leave that up to our senior statesman, Mr. Wilson, to do Okay. That. All right. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? <laughs> motion carries 5 0. There are no. Thank you, commissioners. I know. Item number 15 on page 90 is budget amendment CC35 for animal services, and this is to uh, replace the aid to agencies over to the animal services budget for this fiscal year. Move to approve budget amendment CC35. Second. Got a motion, second, any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5 0, motion passes. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Item number 16 on page 91 is uh, budget amendment CC36, and this is to move um, money from POS from Davidson property over to the Terrapin Park Trailhead to provide funding there for the uh, park trailhead improvement projects in the, in the uh, restroom facility there. Motion to approve CC36. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? So, um, so there's allocated funds for the Davidson Farm property for any improvements that we were going to be making there? They're all like, gone. They're almost all gone. Like ball fields, multi-purpose fields, things like that. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Almost all gone. Right? Right. That's right. So. Well, Phil, I, I guess you, we had this discussion two right. years ago, and it was pretty nasty about doing that. Down. We had the, in every neighborhood within five miles come out against it because of the traffic. Well, that, and we decided at that time that we were going to enhance all existing parks. Right, before right. We built I, I, I remember that, but, but again, all right. For now. Okay. For now. It's not to say that right. future POS disbursements can't be replenished I, I just know that, that if, if we were to build eight multipurpose fields there, the revenue generation for that from tournaments that we could gain and the hotel uh, room, rooms that would be rented for these tournaments for long weekends, I mean, the, the, the dollars are huge. It was just, build, just build the it traffic down there was, I mean, we did, and they will come. The, the road in and out of there is just so narrow and all that. That was a big concern of a lot of people down there. A lot, I remember a lot of people turned out against it. Stay tuned. There's another location for that. 
All right, we have a motion to approve budget amendment CC35. All those in favor? Six. 36. 36. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? 5-0. Motion passes. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item number 17 on page 92 is uh, from Donna Landis-Smith, and this is a proposed expansion of the Lands End Rural Legacy Area. This would add uh, five properties, 308 acres, potentially, and uh, increase that preservation area to over 12,000 acres. And this is just north of the uh, conquest area. I move to approve the expansion of 308 acres to existing lands and rural legacy area. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Question. Um, is there a specific number of farms that are participating in this? Mm -hmm. uh, there's five properties that are involved in this expansion. There is a, an exhibit in your packet there. They're, they're listed, uh, they're numbered uh, one, one through five. So yes, there are. There is a, uh, and they've uh, all oh, okay. agreed to participate. Yep. 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 Thank you. Uh, we have a motion to approve the expansion of 308 acres to the existing Lands End Rural Legacy Area. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. Motion passes. Okay, thank you, commissioners. And then uh, item number 18 on page 104, um, and this is to designate one of our two uh, rural legacy areas. We have two, one Land's End we just talked about, and one at Foreman Branch. And uh, as we apply for grants, we want to designate one of those two as the priority for upcoming grant funding. And this would um, recommend the Land's End area as the priority for fiscal 22 funding. And we just sort of flip-flop back and forth between these two areas each, each year. This is here. Okay. I make uh, the motion to choose the Lands End Rural Legacy Area as priority for the FY22 funding. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? 5 0. Motion passes. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, take a five minute break before we roll in. Okay, I got. We got two more. Well, one more item, really. Can we? Oh, what do we, we got? got two more desk items. We have oh, two, right. yeah. Sorry, let's finish desk just, items just first. Take a minute. Yeah. Uh, desk item number nineteen. We have uh, three Relief Act agreements from the uh, Department of Commerce. Uh, one for hotels, one for restaurants, and one for online services, uh, totaling just over uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So uh, we need Commissioner Corcorino's signature on those, and we would potentially use our uh, e economic development committee to um, receive applications and disperse these grant funds to um, those industries in need. Uh, I'll make a motion that Commissioner uh, President Corcorino uh, sign the Relief Act of 2021. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? By zero, motion passes. Thank you, Commissioners. And item 20 is just informational, and it is a, a letter that we received from the town of Centerville concerning the uh, tax offset hearing, which will be at 7 o'clock. Right. So that's all we have. New business. Right. Very good. We'll take a five minute recess. Good. Smack it. Smack it. Bring the meeting Mr. back to order. Wilson. Mr. Wilson. Commissioners, this is our uh, annual tax uh, set-off hearing with our incorporated towns, and I'm not sure if all the towns are represented here, but we can go through the list. Uh, first up, we have uh, the town of Barclay. Yep, come on up. Yeah, sure. Come on up. Just introduce yourself to the board. And yeah. Make your presentation. Yeah, great. 
Hi, commissioners. My name is Virginia Albers. Um, I worked for the county for about 10 years, so it's been a while since I've been in here. Um, I um, am the town manager circuit rider for the town of Barkley, and we're here to plead our case for the tax differential. <laughs> we are in the process of, um, we finally got all the funding to run the sewer from Barkley to Sutter's, um, Barclay, Suttersville to Barkley. So that's gonna be a big project for us. Um, you know, we're kind of looking for all the help we can get. We were tickled when we got that letter about the American tax relief funding so i'm hoping we can put that to good use but um we've held tight with our budget probably the last three years we don't um you know we don't overspend or anything and and you know we'd like to see if you can help us out we'd appreciate it yeah. anybody have any questions do we have any questions mm -hmm. no. no questions no. thank you right. for having thank me. you oh sir certainly thanks for coming down good to see you yeah you too mm -hmm. you too All right, going down the list, uh, we have Town of Centerville. Commissioners, good evening. We've got a little bit of an expanded group here now. I'm sure as you've been, uh, been hearing, uh, we've gone through an expansion of three to five. Something wanting to now. I'm Tim McCluskey. I'm the president of the council, uh, town council this year. Just wanted to introduce the town council. We have uh, Shelby Ananiah. Uh, Steve Klein and Bob Hardy. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff Keel okay. is, is one of our other members. He, uh, he actually had to work tonight. So I'm going to turn it over to Council uh, Vice President Steve Klein to make our pitch. So thank you. Gentlemen, thank you. It's a pleasure to be uh, in this room and I appreciate the opportunity. I know we all appreciate the opportunity to uh, address the county commissioners this evening. I'll start right out with the ask which is that Centerville re respectfully requests 0.1828 cents of value of $1,072,086. That is less than three quarters of 1% of the total county budget uh, for the support of the county seat, of course, in which we currently sit. Uh, and while this represents a fairly minute fraction of, uh, in the context of the county's budget, uh, it represents 22% of the town of Centerville's total estimated revenues for FY, FY22. So, has the potential to truly be a game changer for uh, the town of Centerville. And I'll, you know, I came in and, and I think we all ran an election of nine candidates uh, back in October and almost all of us ran on fiscal conservatism and, uh, you know, wanting to run a very efficient government. And that's certainly uh, one of my motivating factors. I, I know just about all of you and I think I can claim some amount of uh, fiscal conservatism in this in this room, uh, but we're already quite efficient, and that's kind of become clear as we've uh, set to work on these uh, this budget that we've just started work on. We just got it in our hands last Thursday. We've got our first budget work session next Thursday, and uh, you know this winter, just to give you some sense, you know, and uh, I'm guilty of asking the question of why are we doing this, but the answer was we're we're replacing trucks that have. Uh, you know, steel panels welded into the floorboards uh, to make them safe for highway use. Uh, and it's just a matter of uh, town employees' morale, having equipment that's worth using, that's safe, they feel safe using. I think we can all uh, appreciate that. And we, and we also uh, just dealt with a comprehensive increase in the pay scale of the Centerville Police Department, which is something that's been long uh, coming, I think. And we are in the process of getting an actuarial review of what it would take to uh, offer the uh, law enforcement officers pension system 
uh, which of course you know, our town does not provide for our police, but they can get it you know, right around the corner if they become sheriff's deputies or even up the street in Chestertown, really any surrounding jurisdiction offers this benefit. So uh, yet another expense the town seems likely to take on. I'm not gonna speak for anybody else but myself, but it does seem like we're gonna continue to lose uh, good officers if we don't provide that benefit. And uh, you know, as I think as we all know, maintenance deferred saves money today, but it costs money tomorrow. We are looking at approximately, uh, these numbers may have changed a little bit, but a $1.3 million capital budget. And we have requested 100% uh, of uh, budget and finance, legal services, human resources, public works, parks, police, elections, and planning and zoning. These are things we don't think that the county uh, bears any expense for on our behalf. And uh, it came up at the Council of Governments meeting that um, you know, certainly plenty of uh, town of Centerville residents go out of town to enjoy uh, the roads and parks of the county, but obviously that is true the other way as well. Plenty of folks uh, come from outside of the town limits to enjoy our parks uh, and our town and our county uh, seat here. So uh, in the past, you know, we feel like, quite frankly, we have not been treated equitably. Uh, this is our first time doing this, but looking at just a few, perhaps, you know, in FY22, just the, uh, the request before you, uh, budget and finance, we've requested 100%. We've been proposed for zero. Same is true for human resources, volunteer fire companies, and the Board of Elections. And uh, we would just appreciate the opportunity, or appreciate this opportunity to come before you, and we'd appreciate some equitable consideration on behalf of the town of Centerville. And uh, the one thing I'll, I'll perhaps end with is, uh, and Shelby's welcome to add whatever she likes, but it, you know, the town, rightfully so, uh, excuse me, the county has pointed to the towns as the place where growth should, should go. And uh, we certainly, I think, I agree with that. This is where the infrastructure is, but those things come with substantial costs. And the, you know, the town has got before it a uh, potential multi-million dollar investment in, uh, in a sewer system, in a wastewater system, other things as well as we look to grow and, and bring opportunities for both residents of Centerville and the county. And I think you know, as we look to make these upgrades, which are important, uh, as the county you know, seeks to drive growth to Centerville, we think you know, the county should have a seat at that table and certainly provide some of the funding required to make that growth happen here in town uh, and not put that full burden on the people who live here now uh, who are already paying you know, healthy rates when it comes to sewer and water. So I will end with that unless Council Member Ananiah has anything to add and I'm happy to answer any questions to the best of my ability. I don't have anything to add. I uh, agree with everything you said. Just thank you guys for allowing us to be here today and for your consideration. Steve, how much did Centerville, did Centerville get money from the federal stimulus? I'm not sure about that. We've heard some estimates, but I don't think we've gotten anything yet. What, what kind of estimate? Any I uh, just throw a number out. Four, I think 4.2 million is what I heard. Okay. 4.1 million, Jack. And uh, Steve Walls, our town manager, he has been in contact with Senator Cardin, correct? And Senator Cardin says he doesn't know what I's are dotted and T's are crossed yet. Okay. But we can only hope. Okay. We are here to ask you for equitable financing and helping us make the town of Centerville, the county seat, the best on the Eastern Shore. Thank you. And to your point, Commissioner Wilson, I would say 
you know, I'm certainly, you know, we have not made a decision about what we want to do with this money in terms of providing it to a rebate back to the residents of Centerville or perhaps keeping some of it for the, the town coffers. Uh, that decision is yet to be made. You know, obviously I think it's every elected official's, well, most uh, inclination to, to provide that back to, uh, to the taxpayer. But in the case of uh, this particular year, we have not made that decision. Uh, certainly, you know, that federal money potentially coming into the mix, uh, I think all things considered, we'll look at everything that's on the table and make the best decision for the town. Anybody else have any questions? Nope. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you all. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Good to see you. All right. Thank you, Steve. Town of Church Hill. We're going alphabetical if you didn't figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Rhodes, how are you doing? Paul. Mr. Rhodes. Um, Mr. President, Commissioners, appreciate the opportunity to be here and speak on this issue. Thank you. Yeah, you can take there that. There you off. go. I've had my Free, shots. Free. Thanks to you guys. <laughs> I've had them. And uh, uh, this is uh, been my, uh, will be well. This is my 26th time appearing before the county commissioners to have this discussion. And we've this one I don't expect to be as detailed as some of the previous ones because we've hammered out some of the harder issues as far as um, the formula, and we just need to debate back and forth whether we need to make some adjustments there. But having said that, um, just like every municipality as well as yourselves, I'm sure we can all use. Um, additional funds um, for our projects in our towns and, and I'm sure you guys have as well but based on our meeting at the uh, Council of Governments um, Ms. Moran was there as well as Todd and um, they uh, furnished a uh, sheet regarding the tax differential the history and where we're at and um, your proposed funding and the fact that what we've all had to deal with over the last year and what we may have to deal with moving forward in the next fiscal year, um, Airtown has indicated that we're not here to discuss uh, an increase in the formula. The numbers are, uh, are about right for us. We figured, we as a commission, the three of us discussed that if we could get flat funding from the previous year based on the unknowns, uh, we would make it work up there. And to give you an example of what we've expended this money on, I think we get around, back up, I think we get around f between 42 and 45,000 a year, and that's about 10% of our general fund budget. And we're not a big operation, we don't have a whole lot of employees, we've got a lot of volunteers, of which all three of us commissioners are volunteers, as we don't get paid a salary, but that's not why we do it. And. Uh, but for example, last this past fiscal year, we uh, resurfaced all the town-owned streets. We utilized all our state highway user revenue money to do that. Um, however, we had to reach into our um, unexpended reserve funds to match that to a tune of about 100,000. And we've covered that, that's good. Um, we also received, and I want to thank you gentlemen, and again Todd and the folks with Parks and Rec, received a grant to purchase that property on the south end of town next to our mill stream. And um, we got that through program open space. However, the owner um, had a little bit higher uh, 
um, asking price appraisal okay. as well, and we matched that out of air funds. I mean, it was, it was, uh, <clears throat> but um, and then we're North Firewell and pump uh, uh, North Firewell up on the north end of town needs to be repaired, and we're. We're, this is the kind of things we utilize air, air dollars for, as well as ongoing operations. And we're going to repair that. I found out today we're probably going to need to install a new well for our town hall, which we're prepared to do as well. And also over the years, uh, this past year, due to storm damage, we had several large trees we had to remove. They were on our right away. Several were getting ready. One was getting ready to take out a, a church. <laughs> so we just took and electric lines. We removed that at air cost. And um, those are the kinds of things we do that are out of the ordinary as far as, uh, um, you know, ra rather uh, as far as out of the ordinary as compared to our day-to-day -day expenses. One thing on your form, and I pointed this out at the uh, COG meeting when we had the discussion with uh, Ms. Moran, there was a new category on there that had to do with, uh, it was added, we believe it was added, about sanitary district overhead. We operate our own sewer system, so we, I don't I don't know what the intent was, and I think this was an, a form that was generated from the previous finance guy. And we do 100% of our own sewer. We pay everything on our sewer, and when uh, we put 100% down, but I'm not looking. You know, that's that's a separate fund, as you know. But I just want to let you know that's why we have 100% because we own and operate our own. And incidentally. Um, we've been advised by MDE probably within the next two, 10 years we're going to need to replace our sewer system. It's working fine, we're within our permits, we're within parameters, but it's just old. It's 40 years old and it can't be upgraded enough to um, take, to, mm. won't be able to upgrade enough to probably um, meet future water quality standards and we're looking at going to raise that money some kind of way. Um, I heard you speak or request earlier, I think you did, about the uh, money coming from the CARES Act. The numbers we've seen for Churchill is probably in the neighborhood of 600 or 630,000. We don't know what the parameters are on how you can use that money, but one on the initial was talking about water and sewer projects. Right. And if in fact we were to get that, we would, uh, our intent in preliminary discussions is just put that right in the capital fund for the sewer as we're moving forward. And then obviously we're going to reach out and try and get funding sources from the state and federal government, which we believe there probably will be some out there. But at a $12 million price tag in the day's dollars, and we're talking 10 years down the road, that's a lot, that's a lot of money for about 850 people in an incorporated municipality to pick up. But we're going to try and do the best we can, and I'm sure at some point in time we'll have a discussion with you guys regarding that as well. So um, one thing I would like to thank the county and your employees, as, as I talked about, um, Todd has been very helpful, very responsible on issues that we have mutual concern about. And uh, I want to thank the sheriff's office. As you know, Churchill is situated on a state road. The roads in Churchill are either owned by the state or owned by the town. I think, and I misspoke at a cognitive, we have only one county road that touches the town limits of Churchill, and it's not really used. It's the uh, Pender Hill Road that comes in, and we, we maintain part of that. But we maintain our own streets 100%. Um, but because the main street is um, State Highway, uh, it's Route 19 through there, uh, law enforcement provided, or law enforcement services provided predominantly by the sheriff and the Maryland State Police. And I do want to thank uh, 
you guys and please allow the, uh, please uh, let the sheriff know I think these guys are doing an excellent job because we're up there a lot. We have a, a lot of traffic run through that town. Um, in a previous life, I had the opportunity to do some speed camera work here where I got the vendor to come up to Churchill to see how many cars are running through there. And on a normal day, um, and this was before the work down here, um, or no, yes, it was before the work down here, we were getting about 3,800 cars a day. On, on through there, I, I and that's a, and all it is is a cut through from yeah. two thirteen to three hundred one. I can remember we were putting up campaign signs uh, up near your building, and and state police were running right. radar right there. But the state police and the sheriff's office, and predominantly uh, the sheriff's office, um, has been providing the the traffic enforcement, and that's our biggest complaint, like it is in most most jurisdictions. The other thing is the county public works guys. We utilize and have used the county roads group um, as far back as when Todd was there um, for uh, as a contractor to do work for us. We pay them to do some of our road work, and they've done an excellent job, and they're an excellent excellent source of information. So. Um, we're, we're real uh, satisfied with the relationship between yeah, us and the county. And again, with Parks and Rec, they, that, I'm sure you're all aware that park up there at Churchill is in town limits. And that was a, a project where we worked cooperatively. Uh, we annexed it in that made it eligible for parks and playground money. And the town, the county had the money to purchase it. We annexed it in, made it eligible and that got the money to develop it. And that's turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful asset for the north end of the county, and especially town of Churchill. So that's all I have. Any questions, comments, or anything? Good to go. Nope. All right, well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. And it looks like, hopefully, well, it looks like I might be back here for a 27th year next year. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got to be somewhere. Yep. <laughs> all right, thanks, Charlie. Okay, next we have uh, Town of Millington. Anyone here from Millington tonight? No? All right. Town of Queen Anne. We have the, Queen Anne. the mayor of Queen Anne, long-standing mayor, and I think he's Randy Estes. That's it. Close to getting to that uh, return. And I'd like to introduce uh, one of the fellow commissioners, and if everything goes right, uh, he will take my place. Uh, we elect among each other who's going to be the mayor. And after 30 years, I'm retiring. Oh. I'm going to call it quits. But um, at any rate, uh, I could go into a long dissertation as far as uh, everything that you do for us. Because in the small town of Queen Anne being half in Talbot County, and that's almost right down the middle, population and area, uh, Queen Anne's County has the most to maintain. And thanks to Todd Mon, we have one of the best kept secrets. Our park is beautiful. Thanks to, to the Parks Department. They do a great job in the town. We do have our expenses. The amount of money that we're requesting is uh, $3,600 about. And uh, we get that uh, in cash to uh, help our budget, and we only have a $55,000 a year budget. Mm. So 
Uh, I don't have anything but praise to say, and we really appreciate the income that we get from you. Uh, anybody have any questions? When's a retirement party? <laughs> uh -uh. In, the new <laughs> In the new town hall, right? Yeah. New town hall, yeah. New town that's hall, right. that's where it's got to be. Well, we have the election April 5th. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Marty, uh, the way ours work, works is we have one commissioner that's uh, uh, elected every three years. And then among the commissioners, they choose who will be the mayor of the town. <laughs> and uh, we, do, we do that here with the commission president and Chris drew the short straw. Yep, that's right. That's why I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't have any questions, thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank, thank you. you, Randy. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Been a pleasure working with you, Randy, over all these years, and I wish you the best in your Thank retirement. You. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good to see you, Randy. Good to see you. Yeah. All right. Good to see you, bud. Okay, Queenstown. Anybody from Queenstown? Oh, yeah. Town of Queenstown. Come on up, folks. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. My name is Pat Bowl, and I'm the head of the <coughs> finance department for the town of Queenstown. I want to introduce you to Aaron Horney. He is our town clerk treasurer and a new face for you to see. Um, I always kind of make the little bit of the speech that Queenstown is a town of volunteers uh, because our we have four employees, two are in public works and two are in administration. And for a town that's rapidly growing, the rest of what we do, we do with a volunteer core. Our commissioners are not paid, they're all volunteers. Um, I'm the head of the finance chair, and I have three people that work with me on finance in the town. They are all volunteers. We have a volunteer planning board. Now we do have a planner to keep us out of trouble because volunteers sometimes get ideas that aren't exactly the way they should be. And um, we have a, but all of our people that are on the planning board are also volunteers. Our um, board of special appeals is also volunteers. So there are a lot of uh, duties and functions that have to be fulfilled in running a town and running in a town that's um, at a crossroads and a growth node within the county. So I do look for consideration in our funding request because a lot of what we're doing, we're doing without paid employees. And so those numbers don't appear um, in your budget or in your funding. The, um, we do pay 100%. We do provide 100% of planning the planning board. We do have a professional planner that's on that planning board. We do have a professional engineer that works with us in terms of um, water, sewer, I&I, infrastructure, <coughs> potable water, and the many things that get done within the town. Um, we do pay 100% of our legal services, and that keeps growing every year, but if you get a good attorney, you feel comfortable about it. Um, you did put sanitary water in there, but we do have a water and sewer plant that is growing. We pay 100% of that. We have an MDA-approved vendor on site, but we have built, um, this year we've been requested by MDE to build an on-site la on laboratory so that we're conducting water quality testing on a much more frequent and, um, basis. 
So that has been an additional expense for us to do that in, in addition to the um, laboratory. We have two potable water towers within the town and we're in the process of acquiring the land and getting bids to uh, put on a third water tower so that we're not uh, blending water from the Ikea uh, into one of our water towers so that the potable water will improve without having a blended source of water. The uh, small things, we take care of weed control and phragmites and uh, didn't appear on your list this year, but mosquito control, which I want somebody to prove to me it does something, but we, we sit there and collect millions of mosquitoes and people still come to June 1st, they will be at the town meeting saying I'm getting bit. So I don't know how we do, how we do a better job on that. Um, we take care of road maintenance, snow removal, stormwater ditch management, sidewalk constructions, road repair. Um, our biggest thing on this area is that we do have an I&I &I issue that will have to be addressed. We're looking at the funding that's coming in from the CARES Act to help us do this, but this will necessitate us tearing up roads to replace um, piping and stormwater management there. So a lot of our roads will have to be redone. The, uh, we do budgeting, we do our own bonding, so we are responsible for our own debt financing. The, we have uh, two parks in town. They're used by everyone. We love to have county residents come to the park, and they often do because they're tiny. You know, they're small. Uh, last year, actually the year before, we started a program of concerts in the, in the park. <coughs> they were canceled last year, but we do plan on having three concerts in the Queenstown Park that are open to the public. Uh, we have two uh, docks, municipal docks. They are not restricted to only town residents. And if you look at our waiting list, half the people that are on the waiting list are from the county. Uh, but we do have to maintain the docks. We have to provide electricity. We provide sanitation at these docks. We have a, um, like I said, we have to maintain the docks. We have to maintain the landings. Uh, right now we're looking at potentially doing some dredging into this area. Um, we, we run fireworks since around Labor Day. Uh, we do it intentionally so that it doesn't interfere with the fireworks that are at the Narrows and that are at the Centerville Dock during the 4th of July. We do this in Labor Day. Um, we've never gotten county funding for it. It's about $5,700 uh, and we are making plans to do it again this year just because it's the end of summer and I don't know whether you want to end it with a bang or whether, what you want to say about what we're doing it, but it usually gets done on that. Um, our four employees are in the state pension plan and in the state health benefit plan and so we have quite a burden of administration <coughs> both for the pension funding and for the accounting of the pension accrual which since you do the school board, you know is a big ticket item. And we do administer the uh, health benefits for the employees. Um, the only thing that we've done that is like a little bit of a new activity for us, as you know, the animal shelter, which is now the animal adoption center, 
that runs behind the Royal Farms. That road, um, this is county, uh, but we maintain it. I mean, we've maintained that road. We do the snow removal. We take, we've taken care of it. We've paved it. And we do provide water and sewer to that facility, even though it's a county facility. We put water and sewer into that <coughs> facility. We did it when the animal control was there, and we continued to do that for um, this nonprofit. So that's my plea. That's my case. Um, we're a growth node. We are growing. We're following your practices of not having sprawl. Uh, we're doing some infill. Um, we have a water and sewer treatment plant that's ready to take on additional areas. We've annexed two areas. And so um, as time goes by, <coughs> our population grows, and with it comes the demands of a different population uh, who are a lot more engaged in government and have very strong ideas about what they expect to see for recreation and facilities. <coughs> and so that's my plea. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here again. Mm -hmm. I think this may be my eighth year. Uh, I need to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I either need to retire or run for public office, and then I can delegate it to someone uh -huh. else. So. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much for Thank your consideration. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <clears throat> All right, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Town of Sellersville? Anybody here from Sellersville? What? <coughs> town of Sellersville, last call. And last but not least, Town of Templeville. Okay. All right. Well, that's the. That is our. Close the tax presentation set for tax set off hearing. All right, we can. Um, we have press and public comments remaining, and then roundtable. All right. Nope, we don't have anything. No press and public comment. Roundtable it is. Roundtable, round okay. We'll start with Commissioner Jogs. Yeah, actually, so these tax offset hearings has jogged something that I would like to, while you're still here. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, well, so I guess this whole water treatment, sewer overhead, I need that explained to me because these are enterprise zones. We bear no cost to that enterprise zone or shouldn't, I wouldn't think, right? We all in agreement with that, right? In theory, yes. Yeah, yeah. we shouldn't be giving any money back for that. Mm -hmm. User should be user uh, paid for, right? 100%. Right, yeah. We're not. I mean, we're not sure why that was even on there. I'm going to come up here. Come on. Hey, come on up, Britt. Yeah. you got to come up so he has a mic for you. Yeah. Right. It's not the whole sanitary district that okay. they're being refunded for. Okay. It's just the portion of the overhead. So I have to look into why it's that amount, like where that, that fund, that 150000 comes from. Um, so I'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because, like I said, it should everything overhead and all should be in my mind, and I'm just that's why I'm asking the question. I would think all that would be since it's an enterprise zone, all expenses are supposed. Now I know, and sometimes you have to pitch in because there's shortfalls, obviously, but this would be a year-over-year -year thing, and I don't think I don't know. That's great. That's all I had. All right, Commissioner Dumino. Uh I have nothing. Um, Brittany's sitting there. You can ask her some questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have my personal, I have my personal opinions about <laughs> about this, but I will share that. Me too. So at a different time. 
<laughs> I'm good, thank you. All right, Commissioner Moran. Well. Has that anything to do with the tax offset? No. Okay, I think you're good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Commissioner Steve Wilson, any I'm questions? on the tax offset. There you go. Thank you, Brittany. You know where to find me. Thanks, Brittany. <laughs> I guess I'll just say that the steel plates are back out again on the yeah, bridge. I saw. Uh, but they will be done by Memorial Day. It's only five joints they have to do, and I'm sure another one's going to appear here within the next week because they have three of them. And so if they can get those three done in a month and then one more month to finish the last two, by hopefully by uh, uh, Memorial Day, they'll be done and off the bridge. Um, a letter was sent out today by... Uh, Jim Ports, the director of MDTA, uh, acknowledging the fact that uh, the bridge issues are capacity issues and uh, they acknowledge that and that's what they're working towards, a, a new crossing. Uh, and so I think we'll get the letter and put it on our website so people can read it. Uh, and he did make mention to Queen Anne's Conservation's uh, statements that uh, the, the original study done, I think in 2014, was flawed because of how they used the, uh, some of their counts and whatever, and, and he, re he rebuffs all that and says that's not the case at all, that, that uh, you know, the, the study is very thorough. They went through Baltimore BMC, the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, and the Washington Metropolitan Council with their traffic people. So they, they have yet to see that report, where that information came from, we have yet to see that report, so you know I would like to see the report. So you know that's that's what's going on there. And anybody that's noticed uh, that drives that bridge notices an immense amount of construction now moving forward on the Broadneck Peninsula, moving eastbound, and that was all from that emergency legislation that uh, MDTA put in uh, that we we signed a letter of support for that to move forward on on the on the western shore side of the Bay Bridge. And all of that is gates. All of that is overhead signage and uh, the gates that will close, automatically close lanes down. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a shame, you know, I don't know how, what the, and we're going to find out at the next uh, Bay Bridge Reconstruction Advisory Group, we're going to find out what the time frame is on the, on the eastern shore because there is so much of a distraction out there. So much with the barrels, of concrete barricades and construction. I'm just a little worried that, you know, wandering eyes come the beach season will, Getting an accident there, so hopefully we can get some, uh, you know, some answers for that. And at the, in his closing comments in the letter, said by, you know, again, you know, coming up here in April, they're going to have the testimony. You can come in and, and, and written testimony or verbal testimony of what you feel about where the bridge should go. And they intend to have their Phase One NEPA final uh, recommendation done by the winter of 21-22, which is. <coughs> again, you know, eight, eight to 10 months away to have that done. And the last sentence says, and to move forward with phase two of the NEPA is dependent on if funding is available or if they fund it. So they haven't funded it. And that's what the, that's the update on what's going on with the bridge. Uh, the only other thing is, if you want me to talk about that House Bill 655, or should we just wait and see what happens? Maybe wait, wait, I just, just wait happens. to see on that one. Huh? I want you getting all red like you were okay. earlier. Right. <laughs> I'm done that. I'm done. You need to go home on a good note. Oh yeah, I hear you. <clears throat> Commissioner sure. Wilson. Gosh, um, <laughs> I think it was the last meeting I was remarking on the uh, <clears throat> unusual statistic that uh, 
what the hospital rate and the hospitalization rate in the United States was, and that it had dropped in this really very unexpected and unprecedented way in the last eight weeks. That at the time I spoke last on the subject, which I think was two weeks ago, it had dropped from 96,000 occupied, COVID-occupied beds in the country to 44, which in six weeks is pretty astonishing. Well, today it is now 32, and it is proceeding on downhill at a rate suggesting that by the end of April or May, particularly with more vaccine and warmer weather, this thing is going to really submarine down to almost nothing sometime around early May. And that is going to be a very peculiar moment for the United States because it's one thing to have a fairly robust infection rate, but if you don't have anybody hospitalized, it begins to resemble much more a regular flu than it does a pandemic. And I ask everybody to reflect on what the consequences of people in the government warning that you've got a serious disease when you don't have anybody in a hospital. And that's, we're going to be statistically pretty close to that in not many weeks, I think, unless maybe one of these variants pops up. Now, that does not mean that the disease is without consequence, because if you have a lot of infected people, you could have a variant that popped up, but still get back to the concentrate on that hospitalization rate. If nobody's in the hospital, who's going to mind the dangers of it when, they're, when they aren't effectively there. So that, I think that's a very interesting point for everybody to consider. And then I would like to remark on another thing, which is the finances of this whole Pandemic Relief Act, which are extraordinary because not only are we getting $1,500 per couple in the United States, but the amount of money that's coming out of the fact that the savings rate in the United States during the last year has built higher by 15 to 20 percent than it normally is. And if all those people come off being locked down at home with a desire to do things and the money to do it because of the savings rate, you combine that with the pandemic individual STEM money and then let us look at the enormous amounts of money that are coming into the communities because of this act. Centerville, if it gets the four million they're talking about, that's a thousand for every man, woman, and baby in the center, in the town of Centerville. It's a prodigious amount of money coming into the system. It'll be interesting to see what effects that has on housing prices, inflation, and everything else, and that's something from the finance department and our tax receipts and everything is going to make a very interesting next half year of it. So those are just some generic observations on life. That's it from me. All right. Well, it's too bad, Jim, we can't get some corporate sponsorship for the bridge. That that might be some way that <laughs> well, we, could do. we should see. Oh, the new um, so some people in the county might have read in the paper about uh, a lawsuit that was filed against Queen's County and some other jurisdictions regarding the vaccine program um, and there are allegations in there about the vaccine distribution for those with um, uh, intellectual development disabilities. 
Uh, and unfortunately, the organization that filed that lawsuit didn't bother to call the county to find out what we've done. Um, in fact, that we have a mobile vaccine unit that's been going out and getting vaccines out to those with developmental intellectual disabilities that was a priority um, of the counties. Um, quickly after that was lawsuit was filed, we reached out to, I personally spoke with the board of directors for that organization that sued, um, as well as their attorneys, and a lot of people jumped on it. Um, and I'm glad to say that uh, within the matter of a few days, it was dismissed. Um, there was completely <coughs> no merit to the lawsuit. Um, and it's a real shame that people resort to, um, you know, using their keyboard to make allegations before they pick up a phone and talk to somebody to find out what's going on. Um, I think what that organization did was a slap in the face to the people in this county who have been working on rolling out the vaccine program. Um, I think they owe an apology to them. Um, those people have been working hard with a very small supply of vaccines to be fair and equitable to everybody in the county. Um, I was disgusted by the lawsuit. I'm glad it's been dismissed. Um, I wish it never happened, um, but I just want everybody to know that, that that's over and there was no basis to it whatsoever. Um, on a lighter note, um, Parks and Recs has informed me that they have been finding bunny tracks in our parks. And I think what that means is Easter is coming. So I would recommend all the parents to get their kids out there and try to see if they can find the Easter Bunny, because I understand he has been visiting our, our parks. So that might be an interesting and fun thing. So I would say to everybody, I don't think we'll see each other before then. Um, everybody enjoy Easter if you celebrate Easter. Um, I know my kids will be looking forward to it and uh, another way for my wife to spend some more money on the kids. So our savings rate, Commissioner Wilson, has not increased over COVID. But <laughs> I was going to say, I got to find out what pointers. people Stevie's talking to because I, I thought she was going to that category right to them now. On how to spend their money. I'm hoping to get a stimulus just to take care of my kids. So, uh, you, you know what? I, I apologize uh, to Chris. There, there is something that I did want to mention and, and that I'm thankful for that that I have a senior who's graduating from Ken Island High School and and they're going to be able to graduate outside uh, in our stadium. So. Um, I'm very excited for all our seniors. I feel bad for the seniors that didn't have that luxury last year, but I'm glad that it's working out for the seniors in both our high schools this year. So um, kudos to that. That's excellent. That's a big deal. It really is. Big deal. And uh, with that, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. Make a motion to adjourn. Okay, second. All right, all in favor? Aye. We're adjourned. Check.